I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 10 is where we will spend our time together this morning. I want you to know if you're new to North River Church, week in, week out, we open God's Word together, walking through books of the Bible verse by verse, asking the Lord to speak to us. And we have assurance that God's Word will accomplish exactly what He desires for it to accomplish in our lives week in and week out as we do that. So as we head into Easter Sunday next week, I want you to know that we'll step away from Genesis that week, and then the following six weeks, we're going to spend some time walking through the Lord's Prayer together And uh, so I want you to know that that's where we'll be in the next few weeks, and then we'll jump back into the book of Genesis together as we continue walking our way through this important book. As we look at Genesis chapter 12 this morning, we're beginning in verse 1. I want you to know that as we gather here today, there are two types of people that are sitting in this room. One type of person sitting in this room is perfectly okay with getting on the rides at the fair and riding them. Or strapping a parachute to their back and jumping out of a perfectly good plane. Or attaching a bungee cord to their feet and diving head first. If that's you, just raise your hand. We need to know who you are, all right? Take note this morning. Then there are people like myself who know that all three of those things are a terrible idea, right? (laughs) Terrible idea. I mean, let's be honest. Have you seen the people who put the fair rides together? (laughs) I love them. Jesus loves them. I do not trust them. This stems back to uh, when I was a teenager, and I I think I've told you this before, I was riding the ring of fire where they just run in circles, and then they get you to the top, and they just let you hang there, and uh, and I start slipping out, and I was like, never again, never again will I get on a fair ride, and, uh, and, and all but riding with my daughter one time, I've kept that promise to myself. You know, it's interesting when you think about something like that. The reality is for us, we either believe, have faith that those rides or that bungee cord or that parachute is actually going to work, or we don't. And the reality is it's not in necessarily how much faith we have in that. Ultimately, it is in the object of our faith. Do we believe that that will actually do what it's supposed to do? What we're going to see in the text this morning, as we look at, once again, Abram's life, God had made a promise to Abram. Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to create out of you a great nation. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we said early on that the problem we found out last week as we were walking through the last part there of Genesis chapter 11 and the first part of Genesis chapter 12 is that Abram and Sarai, his wife, did not have any kids. So that was problem number one that the Lord would have to address. But 
I want you to notice this morning as we read the text, there's another problem that's going to arise. And the question is going to sit before Abram. Do you trust God to accomplish what he promised to accomplish? Or are you going to try to take it into your own hands? I don't know if you've ever experienced that as a follower of Jesus, but knowing that God is at work, knowing that God is accomplishing things in and through your life, but for a season, for a moment, when things begin to get difficult, you start thinking in your mind, maybe God needs my help. Maybe God needs me to take that back and, and I will work through this and, and maybe God will bless that. And what we're going to see in the text is Abram tried to do exactly that. So as we read the text this morning, I want you to take note of that. I want you to take note of the problem that we see in verse 10 and then Abraham tries to come up with a solution. Abram does, in, beginning in verse 11 and walking through. But let's look at the text this morning, and then let's walk back through it together, seeking to apply it to our own lives as we look at God's Word. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say, you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But... The Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said. Amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together. If you remember nothing else from this morning, I want you to remember this truth. The strength of our faith is always contingent on the object of our faith. The strength of our faith is always contingent on the object of our faith. Here's the problem sometimes as believers, as the church, that we kind of have this mystical concept of faith, as if faith in and of itself is what you need. But the problem is what we fail to 
further emphasize is that our faith is only as good as the object of our faith. So let's put this into play when it comes to Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ is ultimately strong and good, not because of the strength of our faith, ultimately, but because Jesus is worth placing our faith and our trust in. He can bear the weight of that. And what we're going to see in the text this morning is ultimately that Abram struggles believing that God will do what God promised he would do. I want you to notice beginning in verse 10, this is the description that we encounter first in this verse. There was a famine in the land. Now don't forget where we are in Abram's life in this moment. Abram had been called by God. The Lord had said to Abram, I want you to leave your hometown, leave your country, leave your family. I want you to journey into a land that I'm going to show you. This land I'm going to give to you. And not only that, Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing to all the nations. It will be through you ultimately that all the nations will be blessed. And we said that ultimately that is reminding us of the fact that it would be Jesus Christ who would come through the lineage of Abram. And yet, we find out in verse 10, there's a problem. We knew the problem early on that Abram and Sarai didn't have children. She was barren, the text told us last week. But here we encounter another problem. This land that the Lord has led Abram to, this promised land that he said, I'm going to give to you and to your descendants after you, there is a famine in the land. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this first truth that we see in verse 10, it's this, God often allows difficulties in our life to provide an opportunity for us to trust him. God often allows difficulties to enter into our lives to give us an opportunity to trust him. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I just want to remind you that there is not a problem, a difficulty, a struggle that you encounter in your life that has not ultimately filtered through the hands of a sovereign God. God does not allow anything to enter into our lives without first passing through his hands. We see this play out over and over throughout the scriptures that God's people walk through difficult seasons in their lives. And it's through that that the Lord is shaping and molding them to be the people that he's called them to be. That he's using that as the sandpaper in their lives to smooth things out, to shape them and mold them to look more and more like Jesus Christ day in and day out. That is what God is doing in our lives here. It's exactly what God is doing in Abram's life. Think about the promise that God had made to Abram. Abram, I'm going to bless you. Abram, I'm going to create out of you nations. And through all of those nations, you are going to be a blessing to all people. I don't know about you, but if the Lord had given me that promise, I would have assumed in that moment, then I have no problems left in my future. I don't want to have to worry about any difficulties, any struggles. And yet, as soon as the Lord makes that promise to Abram, verse 10, boom, 
There's a famine in the land. Wake up, Abram. You think that things are just going to be smooth sailing. However, the Lord allows this to enter into his life, and he does it for a specific purpose. And he does that in your life and in my life for a specific purpose, and that is to give us an opportunity to trust him. In the difficult seasons of our lives that we walk through, in the pain and in the struggle, will we choose to trust in the goodness and the purpose of God. When we encounter a medical diagnosis that we weren't expecting, when we lose a loved one, when we struggle with infertility as a couple, when as a parent we walk through difficult seasons with our kids, possibly walking away from the Lord, do we look at those seasons, those moments, those circumstances as an opportunity in our lives ultimately to trust in the Lord. For Abram in this moment, he has the opportunity in this famine as he's about to leave the country that the Lord had called him to go to and go down to Egypt to try to wait out this famine in the land. In this moment, we're going to see how Abram responds to the pressure of the difficulty. Now, here's my question for you this morning. How do you respond? How do you respond when you walk through a difficult season in your life if you're a follower of Jesus? Is it an opportunity? Do you see it as a chance for you to trust in the Lord? Now, here's the thing. We may not understand why those seasons come. One of the things I love about the psalmist is over and over and over in the book of Psalms, the psalmist is so honest and transparent with the Lord and just saying, God, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand what you're up to. I don't know why I'm walking through this. I don't know why I'm enduring this. I mean, David, a man after God's own heart, writing these psalms to the Lord. God, I don't know what you're up to. But at almost every single turn, we see, but, but I trust you. God, you are my refuge. God, you are my salvation. When I don't know where to turn, God, I know that I can turn to you. The difficult seasons of our lives give us an opportunity to trust in the Lord. When I was 16, I was pulling into a parking spot at our local YMCA, and as I was pulling in, I uh, took the turn a little hot, and there was a truck parked next to the parking space that I was turning in, and so beginning at his back tail light, all the way down his bed of his truck, into the extended cab door and into the front door, I gave him a beautiful racing stripe, right down, just right down the side of his truck. And in that moment, I started thinking, what do I do? How do I respond? And in my mind, the very first thing that's rolling through my head is, I'm going to have to call my dad. And this is not going to be good. And then I'm thinking, 
my dad has never had a wreck. It's like he doesn't understand that at 16, after three, it may be, maybe it's just a bad thing. I won't tell you what I did in response until just a little bit, but that was a moment for me to simply ask the question and that difficulty, would I trust the Lord and do the right thing? So Abram has the question to ask as well. In this time as he leaves and journeys down to Egypt, how will he respond to this difficulty? Well, let's look at verse 11. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. You read that and you think, look at Abram the romantic, right? I mean, Abram looks at his wife and he says, you know, you are incredibly beautiful. And let's be honest, wives, don't you want to hear that from your husband? And let me just say to you, husbands, maybe right now, you just lean over, you just say, you are a woman beautiful in appearance. Just so she knows that, right? If you didn't do that, she's mad now. I just want you to know, okay? (laughs) Your pastor told you to do it. You didn't do it. And she's fine till you get in the car, right? But I want you to notice that Abram takes notice of his wife and says, you are a woman who is beautiful in appearance. But notice how it turns in verse 12. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Now you think Abram's the romantic. Abram is simply interested in preserving his own life, right? Let's just be honest. He's not really that concerned about his wife's beauty. He's just simply concerned about preserving his own life. He doesn't want to die going in to Egypt. So notice the plan in verse 13 that he hatches. Say, you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. Verse 14, when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. Listen, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. In fact, we're going to find out in verse 19 that Pharaoh actually takes Sarai as his own wife. Verse 16, for her sake, he dwelt well with Abram and had sheep and oxen and male donkeys and servants and female servants and female donkeys and camels. If you're taking notes as we look at verses 11 through verse 16, here's the second truth we encounter in the text. How we respond to those difficulties will either expose our lack of faith in the Lord or it will highlight the strength of our faith in the Lord. So this was a prime moment for Abram. 
The Lord had allowed this difficulty to enter Abram's life, had sent him out of the land that God had promised to him into Egypt. And Abram's primary concern as he journeys into Egypt, how do I not die? Which if you look at it, you think, well, maybe he should have been concerned, but what did God promise to him? God had made a promise to Abram that he would bless Abram. He had made a promise to Abram that through Abram, multitudes, nations would come. God had made a promise to Abram that through him, all the earth would be blessed. God had said to Abram, Abram, this is what I'm going to do for you and through you, ultimately for my glory. And in the moment where Abram could have chosen to trust the Lord, Abram said, I may need to take this into my own hands. So Sarai, I know that you're my wife, but let's say you're my sister. And you look at that, and in fact, in Genesis chapter 20, we're going to see this whole scenario play out again in a different location. But for Abram in this moment, he says, I would rather choose to lie than I would to trust God. I would rather choose to lie about who Sarai is instead of trusting that God is going to do what God said that he was going to do. Now think about it in relation to your own life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever experienced God at work in your life in a season and difficulty and a struggle where you look and you say, God, I just don't know that you're going to be able to do what you said you're going to do. So let me take this back from you and let me work on it for a bit. How's that work out for you? Well, you look, at, you look at Abram in this moment and you think, well, I mean, man, verse 16, it sounds like it must have worked out okay. I mean, he ends up with sheep and oxen and donkeys and servants and camels. And yet what you realize is that this is a moment of reckoning for Abram. It's a moment where he's exposed to demonstrate that he truly doesn't trust that God will accomplish what he says he will accomplish. I want you to ask that question in your own life. Maybe you're walking through a season of difficulty right now, and for you, you're thinking, God, I don't see you at work yet. I don't see how you're going to come through in this situation, so let me take this back in my own strength and my own power. I think I can get this fixed. And the Lord's asking in this moment, will you trust me? Will you trust me to accomplish what I promise that I'm going to accomplish in your life? Let me put this in context of church ministry and this nation in which we live. A nation that is often hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ, certainly hostile to the truth of God's word on a number of areas in life. And there are a number of churches that are so-called sitting back and saying, well, we need to compromise on what God's word says so that we can fall in line with the culture. And, and the question is, 
Why would we not trust God to do what he promised he would do? If God says he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, church, do we trust that? Do we trust that God will do what he promised that he would do? And if we do trust that, then we will remain fixed and firm on the truth of God's word as we seek to minister and share hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community that we are in. So after I hit the guy's truck, left the racing stripe, I had that moment. Will I trust the Lord and do the right thing or will I not? So my head's on a swivel. There's nobody else in the parking lot. Reverse, back out, take off. I get almost home. And the Holy Spirit of God is knocking at my heart's door. And I'm like, I can't do that. So I call my dad. So not only do I have to explain the fact that I hit this guy's truck, but then I have to explain, and I left. And my dad said, well, that was dumb. So he met me back at the parking lot. I turn around, and I'm, I'm praying or hoping. I'm not really sure which one that the guy would leave before I got back. He didn't. So pull up, my dad's there, and of course he's surveying the damage on the guy's truck, and as soon as I pull up, the guy walks out of the gym, and he walks up and he goes, huh, I don't think that was there when I parked. So I explain, I said, you know, sorry, I, I hit your truck, and just want to own up to that and take care of that, and I, here's what the guy said to me. He said, Wow. He said, most people would have left. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know who would have done that. But in that moment, it was an opportunity for me to respond either by faith, trusting that following what God had called us to do and being truthful was the right thing to do or not. For Abram in this moment, he chose not to trust the Lord. He chose not to trust what God had promised that he would accomplish in and through him. You look and you say, well, it looked like it may have worked out, but the truth is it ultimately didn't. Notice verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Think about this for just a moment. A pagan Pharaoh has to call out Abram's sin. 
has to call out Abram's deception in this moment, Abram's lack of faith in the Lord to accomplish what he promised that he would accomplish. Now, I don't know about you, but, but if I'm God in this moment, I'm looking at Abram and going, okay, we need plan B. We're not going to use this guy. I mean, first opportunity to trust me and he doesn't. And yet we see, in verse 20, Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. They sent him away with his wife and all that he had, even in spite of Abram's lack of faith in the Lord. God's grace is on display in this passage. Even in Abram's lack of faith, the Lord still chooses to use someone like Abram. If you want to take down this third truth in every difficulty, we can be certain that God's plan and purpose in our life will be accomplished for our good and for his glory. In this moment, God has a plan and a purpose to accomplish in and through Abram's life, even in spite of him. And the same thing's true for you, and the same thing's true for me as followers of Jesus this morning, that God desires to work in and through us for our good and ultimately for his glory. And there's moments of difficulty in our life where it's just We don't trust him. And you may be walking through that season right now. You wonder, is there hope in that? And I want to encourage you that there is. God doesn't overlook our sin, but we have a Savior who has paid for our sins. And God extends grace and mercy to us even when we don't deserve it and still chooses to work in and through us even when it looks like he probably shouldn't. For Abram in this moment, He failed the test of trusting in the Lord. And even in spite of that, God worked in and through his life. You say, why? Because God's ultimate plan and purpose in working through brokenness throughout the scriptures we see is that it ultimately leads to Jesus one who is perfectly righteous without sin, coming to this earth, the very Son of God, who accomplished what you and I and Abram could never accomplish, that is perfect righteousness before God. Our hope this morning on Palm Sunday is not that we can walk through life and always get it right. Our hope ultimately is in Jesus Christ, the one who could. We're reminded this morning in the story of Abram that the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, our Savior, is what matters today. I want to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as our worship team makes their way back up this morning, you may have come in today and You've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I can think of no better time than right now for you to take that step. 
want you to know that as we gather here this morning, we gather because Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, came to this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, took our sin upon himself on the cross and paid the debt of sin that we owed. He laid his life down, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave as we'll celebrate not only this Sunday, but especially on Easter Sunday next week, securing salvation for us through him. So this morning, if that's the step that you need to take of trusting Jesus as your Savior, we'd love to help you. We have an opportunity in just a moment to respond to this time of invitation. Our pastors will be down front. We'd love to help you take that step. Maybe you've got questions. I want to encourage you to fill out a connection card. We'd love to take base with you over the course of this next week. Share that, how you can take that step. You may be a follower of Jesus this morning, and for you, you are walking through a difficult season. And you're wondering, how do I respond? And you want to take this opportunity simply to confess to the Lord that you know that what you're walking through right now is part of His plan and His purpose in your life. That it is filtered through His hands. And you ask Him in this moment, God, give me the strength to trust You strength to walk in obedience to you. And God, where I fail, remind me of the great hope we have because of Jesus Christ, one who never failed. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in and through us. You would allow your word to challenge us and encourage us and equip us to live out the life as a follower of Jesus you've called us to live out. And for the person here who's never taken that step of trusting Jesus as their Savior, God, give them the courage today to take that step. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? You respond this morning as the Lord leads.